Welcome to Doing Good Business, the podcast where personal and professional development meet. I'm Laura Heacock, a leadership coach and talent acquisition consultant, and I'm joined every week by my co-host, Kelly Stewart of The Positive Business, training you to bring positive business practices into any company. Doing Good Business is the podcast that teaches you that doing good business is not only possible, it's profitable. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Doing Good Business, our second episode of October on the topic of openness. And Kelly and I are so excited to have Kevin Nolan with us today. Kevin is the owner of Nolan Painting. We're going back to our roots and featuring a local Philadelphia area company. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us. Tell our listeners a little bit about you and uh, why you're awesome, because we already know. Oh, thanks very (laughs) much. Um, Hi, I'm Kevin Nolan from Nolan Painting, and I run what now is uh, considered to be the largest residential painting business in the United States. Um, we have about 150 employees, um, and we do only residential, and I, we don't hire any subcontractors. So I qualified there with a couple of caveats, but we're pretty proud of what we've been able to accomplish in the industry. We have great customer service, great people, best places to work, um, and we've created a really exciting environment here. Uh, that um, I believe today's topic really speaks to, because I think it's uh, it's sort of how I was able to pull it off. Well, awesome. we're 30 seconds in, and, and I've already learned something. You guys are the largest <laughs> residential in the U.S. That is so cool. Yes. Total virtual yep. high five coming from us. Thank we you. Love that. You bet. <laughs> so on the topic of openness, this is Laura. I'll get us started right on the personal side. So my curiosity comes in. You know, we know some of your business practices. We had the opportunity to have you on our panel in uh, 2018, which was an amazing discussion, and thank you again for that. But tell me a little bit about, you know, is openness a value of yours? You know, besides doing the open book management that Kelly will get into in a little bit, how does openness show up in your life? Do you find it something that comes up for you, you know, personally as well as professionally? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, and when we when we listed in our values, and it is a value, we call it transparency. Um, but openness, obviously, is a way of life. Uh, transparency is a little technical. Um, you know, openness is sort of the way I roll. Um, it's, I'm lucky to have a streak of it. Um, having said that, what I decided to do when you – so when you find a strength, and I thought openness, my ability to be open and maybe to use it in constructive ways was a strength. And, you know, it wasn't necessarily my brains that were my strengths. It was a few of these type of values that I could leverage – so then I started to, to cultivate openness um, and then even study openness. And I think that's what good leaders have to do. They have to cultivate the things that they want in their business. And cultivating is another way of saying I spent a lot of time thinking about it, thinking about how I could make it work in the business. And mm-hmm. so we, whenever I think, you know, whenever I discovered it as a thing, was like a book I read, and I was like, well, that's always the way I do it. But, you know, you, don't, you do make mistakes, and, if I, and you can read and, and study it, and you can find opportunities to do better at it. And that's sort of what I've been trying to, to do all along. So. Well, that's, uh, it's Kelly over here. Again, just because Laura and I do sound alike, we do yeah. try to let people know. But that's fascinating, Kevin. It was almost like you were reading my mind, because transparency, I think, is what a lot of people equate Uh, openness with. And because I know you and we've worked together before, I also think about openness being open to new experiences. And you've always struck me as someone who's open to that new experience, right? And has that really active imagination, right? Preference for variety. And to get other people, because when you run an organization, you have to get other people uh, open. I mean, it can't just be you out there by yourself. They'll 
they they think you're crazy. They don't follow. Um, you have to you know you have to influence people to follow you. At least you know I, I often wonder how other business leaders do it. Um, and of course that's why I read about other business leaders. But this was clearly something that I was comfortable with. And so you go with what you're good at and mm-hmm. openness and communication and the the ability to share and to share finances. Um, I don't really know any other way you could pull it off. So well, I, I didn't have any other options. Let's talk about that for a second. For our listeners who maybe aren't familiar with open book management, um, would you like to give them a little primer on what it is and yeah, when I mean, you first heard I, about it? Well, for starters, I think you determine at what level you're comfortable with. um, And Mm -hmm. you, so like, for instance, I wouldn't tell somebody what my salary is. Just like Mm -hmm. I think that's inappropriate to tell other people in the company what those salaries are. Um, Sure. um, I do tell them that. You have that discretion, right? Yeah, I do have that discretion there. And everybody has that discretion. And they should, therefore, don't fear this. Just have an understanding then no one's going to tell you if you open up and no one tells you you have to like unveil that type of stuff. That's personal information. Mm-hmm. However, profit in a company. Now, what what is profit for? Profit is in my in my world, profit is not to be distributed to the owner, me. That's not what I use profit for. I've never used profit for that. I've always kept profits in the business and invested it back in the business. And so that gives me a really good argument on why we need to get higher profits and more profits and steady profits um, and why we're always trying to protect our margins and things because we're trying to provide a way of life and the way of life is based on certain profit levels. So like last two weeks ago, I had a company meeting and um, actually the, the, it was, my company's gotten bigger now and I'm trying to figure out new ways to meet, right? So I have 150 people. So I tried something new this summer. Rather than um, have one big room, I broke it up into two groups of 75 uh, so I could be more intimate with the group. Um, and in the first group, my uh, relatively new bookkeeper was in the room and I said out loud to the whole company, Nolan Painting looks to achieve 4% profit annually. Um, does anybody know why we, we chose that number? And my, like I said, my new bookkeeper, who's relatively new to the job, and I was really just happy with her answer. She said, because it's not too little and it's not too much. Mm-hmm. And oh. the reality of it is, is I could almost dial in any profit level with, with obviously with some exception, but I could dial in another uh, profit levels of 10% or more. Um, and or obviously I could spend it all every year and distribute it all away and make no profit. Um, mm-hmm. But by the way, that 4% is after the the accountant has gotten gotten through with it and he's depreciated everything he's going to depreciate. You know, the operating sure, profit sure. might be higher, but this is what we show the, the government and this is what we show the banks. And that's why it's not too little because the banks are comfortable with that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but if I wanted 10% profit, by the way, I'm telling the story to the whole company, right? If I wanted right. 10% profit, let's talk about what type of environment we'd have here. So for starters, there, there would not be an auto-enroll company match 401k program. Company mm-hmm. pays about $200,000 a year for that. Um, that represents two, two percentage profits points right there just about. Uh, the paper right. performance system wouldn't be robust like it is. Um, and the bonus program and the health care program wouldn't be robust like it is. Uh, there wouldn't be robust opportunities to earn paid time off 
Um, these are things that I think are important to our organization to create the morale that we have. Um, and so that's why we want to be right there in that sweet spot. If we have more mm-hmm. money, we'll find ways to invest it back in the company in these programs, as well as equipment and, you know, the tools of our job and buying trucks and high reach equipment, having the latest, uh, you know, basically doing things right and having the right equipment available. This is all is what people so want. Important. I think this is what people want to be part of, right? A well-run, yeah, yeah. a well-run organization where they can see where they're connected to it, right to the bottom line. They go, I know why we we make for. They all know what the company goal is this year. I I, I asked them all out loud, and I actually told them, I hope you guys get the right answer. What are we trying to do <laughs> this year in volume? And they all screamed out the same number, twelve million. So right. that means they they know. They know mm-hmm. what we're trying to achieve. I don't know how you run a company when no one knows what they're trying to achieve. You know, mm-hmm. I just, I don't have another <laughs> message. <laughs> well, unfortunately, we hear about that a lot. I mean, Laura may want to take this too, because, you know, this is what we hear about are people who feel disconnected. They don't understand how what they do makes it, makes an impact on the business, or they are in situations where, you know, there are priorities that are well above taking care of people and putting these good programs in place that right. um, keep it, keep people feeling disconnected from the company. So yeah, what we try to do is make it into a game <clears throat> and everybody's playing the game right. and earning bonuses and, and earning kudos, just like, you know, we're giving out, we're reading report cards out loud and we're constantly giving feedback back to the employees. I love that. I'm really curious. So, you know, I picture this meeting and you've got 75 people in each room and they're all shouting out 12 million and you're explaining, you know, if we get more than 4%, we're going to invest it back in the company. What's the energy like of the team? I mean, you know, as a former leader and as somebody who works with leaders, I know that energy and morale, you know, whatever label you want to put on it, but that's such an important part. And I can just imagine that it's, you know, it's got to be pretty, pretty powerful. Well, it is. And that's exactly why I broke it up into two groups, because I, I wanted to feel the energy and I actually mm. got an opportunity to feel it twice. I was on a high for two days. <laughs> that's amazing. So, right. So I don't know quite how I'm going to achieve like the next steps and keep that energy level all the time high like that. But it sure feels nice. Um, it feels nice to have new employees come up to you and go, wow, you know, Um mm-hmm. And so I actually, at the end of the day, end up pouring my soul out to them. And mm-hmm. they, they, they reciprocate and they tell me about mm-hmm. themselves. And I, I just, like I said, I think it's the, it's the only way I know how. But to the point, I guess, to get started is, is it's about educating yourself along the way and building the comfort levels. Because I've talked to other business owners, and this is just outside their comfort zone altogether. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it was in my comfort zone. I'm just saying I recognized I was capable of doing it and started to develop some of those skill sets from reading and taking classes and doing things. And, you know, I I may have mentioned uh, to you before, Kelly, that I took Toastmasters for two years Mm -hmm. and became, you know, a really, um, if you're going to communicate to your people and you have to move the needle, you got to get good at communicating. So I I was not great at it. I, I mean, um, I would say that I was uncomfortable talking in front of groups. Um, I didn't think I'd rather die, but I did, I did feel <laughs> that it was not, not, not such a comfort level. Um, and so I developed the skills for that. And then, of course, when I have a company meeting, 
I prepare. I lock myself in a room and I prepare. Because one of the things I learned in Toastmasters was um, for every, for like every increment of speaking, you had to spend a certain amount of time preparing. And mm-hmm. um, so that some so of those true. skill sets, some of those skill sets are, are learned. I mean, I prepared for this call, frankly. You don't just sit down and use your communication mm-hmm. skills and think that they're just going to pop out and you're going to hit home runs. You have to <laughs> <Right>. prepare. <laughs> So, yeah. so, so now you're taking me back into this room, right? I'm in a room with you. You have discovered open book management. You've studied it and you're ready to talk to your managers, the other leaders in your business, right? How did they yeah. receive this? I mean, assume we're, we're already going to bake in. You've, you've got excellent communication skills and we right. know that and you've got great energy, but yeah. you know um, what, you know, kind of was their reaction. What was the look on their faces? when you know were they like what or were okay. they like okay <laughs> so i've got the great story i think i think most of this was happening for me around 1998 um okay. and i was really starting to open up and um so two types of folks develop those that buy in and those that want more money mm-hmm. um those that want more money here you're talking about money all the time and they go give me some more of that money um right. So the good news is that they end, uh, eventually self-select. Um, they self-select Love them out of, out of the business. So here's kind of what happened. Um, we were, I, w- I kept talking about how we had to get savings in the bank. So this is not savings in Kevin Nolan's pocket. This is savings in the company. Good, strong companies, you know, if they have to hit payroll every week and they have to deal with banks and things, they have to have some a nest egg too. And I talked to him about the nest egg and, we got the nest egg up to $100,000, and there were, I guess there was some misunderstanding, although I have no idea why because I was communicating, but that what we were going to do with the money, um, my idea was mostly just to keep it there, um, but then something happened. We were working out of a home in the back of a building that I owned. Uh, actually, there was a, the, the, there was a home, and there, there was a building in back, and that's what we were working out of. I owned the home, and this big uh, two-story garage was our offices, and the township uh, kicked us out. They said, you got 90 days mm. to vacate. You got 90 days to vacate the, uh, the premises. You can keep the property, but you can't have your business there. So mm. I had to go out and find another building. And I ended up using a portion of the $100,000 as an investment into another building. And okay. um, I guess about three people quit that day and never, never wanted to show up um, in the new building. Um, mm. They, they just, and they were sort of performers, um, but, you know, at the end of the day, they showed their true color. The, some of the people that came in the building that day are still here now, um, mm-hmm. and um, one is the CFO and one is the vice president of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, a, it was a good move to come into the building that day. Right. <laughs> and, I, think, I think that's such a powerful story because, you know, you're, you're making a big you know, any kind of big shift like that that happens, yeah, everybody fears, you know, what's going to happen when these people leave? What's going to happen when these people walk out? And and that story really just illustrates that, as you said, you know, they self-selected out. The right people stayed, the right people came in, and the right exactly. people are still with you at this point. And incidentally, that building, which is a 13,000 square foot office building, has transformed our business. That was a game changer. As compared mm-hmm. to a little building behind a house. Um, right. As you know, I have conference rooms, I have offices, I have warehouse. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it was an absolute game changer, um, and it never would have happened. Um, and you know, one I, of those. It's 
it's happening um, to you. It's happening for you, not to you situation. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you don't always yep. see that at the time, right? Right. Mm-hmm. It's the best thing that ever happened in retrospect, right? Yep. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, and if you've ever been to the building, I think maybe I did show you this, Kelly. We uh, have a yeah, wall. Yeah, I've been there, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. We have a big wall, a white wall, which I show to everybody. I show it to bankers. I show it to estimators. I show it to strangers. I show it to... Uh, apprentices. It literally has every single one of our our monthly KPIs, key performance indicators. Um, And we've developed a pay for performance system around most of these KPIs Mm -hmm. so that if we get, for instance, if we hit the right amount of phone calls, um, leads generated, um, the marketing team gets a bonus. Um, If we have uh, if we have revenue numbers for each of our teams. If they hit it, the whole team gets a bonus. So these KPIs are pretty important, right? And mm-hmm. I have everybody chasing, um, you know, these monthly KPIs. It makes it so that I don't have to be on it because they're on it. Obviously, I'm just monitoring this great game of business. It's it's a big game. People love a game with statistics that are statistics that they can. They can be like a leaderboard. Yeah, exactly. Everybody's yeah. but but it's a leaderboard where everybody's winning. Like it's not yep. it's not us against each other. It's us against mm-hmm. um, it's us against the market. It's us against ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, baking the pie higher all the time. Yep. Hey, I mm-hmm. mean, it doesn't obviously things don't always go well. And there's sometimes situations around that. But it's really it really does tend to make the business uh, self-correct when it needs to. Mm-hmm. Um you know, go hard. The the people are in. They're working hard for for their reasons, um, not just the company's reasons. But it it mm-hmm. benefits them. Yeah, but talk about openness. I mean, I imagine having something like that completely eliminates the culture of micromanaging because it just makes it obsolete. I mean, everybody knows right there. It's on the whiteboard. It's on the wall. Here's the KPIs. Right. Here's what you get if you hit them. You know, right. obviously, you know, you need leadership that's going to keep people motivated and keep people on track. But you don't. You take away that potential for somebody to be like, okay, Susie, you've only made, you know, 19 out of your 25 calls today and it's 445. Right. Like all of that just becomes, obsolete, yeah, because they which, become, you know, I they become training, like and, that. training and coachable moments, right? Yeah. Yeah. And if they respond, then they're the right folk. If they're not mm-hmm. responding, they're on the wrong seat or possibly in the mm-hmm. wrong bus, but they, mm-hmm. uh, you, you, that's how you're going to basically motivate high performers. Yeah. Right. And there's no question, you know, again, it goes back to openness, like everything's out in the open. So it's like, here's the KPIs. Here's your role in it marketing. Here's your role in it sales. Here's your role yep. in it technician. Here's your role in it office manager. Everybody can understand how their piece of the puzzle fits in with the other pieces. And, and that actually, you know, makes me wonder, like, what are some other ways, you know, we know about open book management, we talked about that a little bit, like, what are some of the other ways that you're open with your folks? You no, know, you said you you kind of pour yourself out and you wear your heart on your sleeve. But what other ways are you open with the team? Uh, well, of course, uh, the values. You know, you got to talk about the values. Mm-hmm. So the, that last company meeting, I focused on uh, values because I feel like if the CEO is not talking about the values, you know, routinely that they slip away, it just feels like it's something that's like magic. And you have to keep it present. And so I'm mm-hmm. definitely always afraid that they're not focusing on the values. And some of our values are like, I mean, friendliness, um, you must be friendly to be here. Uh, we'll teach you how to be friendly if you'd like, but you've got to be friendly. <laughs> um, right. Yeah, we're, we're looking to make people happy. Uh, that's right. our goals. And so I'm hiring those type of folks. 
residential painting. I'm in people's homes. I'm doing it at scale. I have to absolutely make sure that we're talking about our values, that they're showing me, demonstrating them. So, so there's obviously that. Um, you know, and then, uh, you know, this whole accountability factor, and that's sort of one of our values as well, about when people make mistakes. Um, so we let, we let people make mistakes because that's the only way they learn, and hopefully mm-hmm. the mistakes are sort of in a controlled environment or not too far out. Um, mm-hmm. But we uh, let them fail and learn from their mistakes. That's how I did it. Um, but obviously, if they don't learn from their mistakes or seek proper counsel to avoid mistakes, we obviously aren't too happy about that, and we'll make sure that we give them feedback. And I think that's the other big deal. You've got to give a lot of feedback to people. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Once again, there's lots of ways you can learn how to do better at that. Um, you know, books like Crucial Conversations, um, these basically mm-hmm. teach you how to be, um, how to be direct and, and fair um, and to be um, looking for outcomes, not, um, not focusing on uh, fault or blame. Um, right. I really, I don't ever want to use the word blame around here. If we find ourselves in a blame game, we try to change that and turn it into responsibility. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, so that's sort of a, that's sort of a cultural thing. And once again, if you start to make these things like totally active in your company, then you only attract people that fit in with that. Um, the, the rest of them sort of find a new place to go, right? Um, it's you true, help them right. The, and and it's help. probably better for them as well, right? So it's, yeah, you know, exactly. when you're not a good match for each other, you're just not a good match for each other. But I think yeah. you're right. The ones that aren't, they don't feel comfortable. They'll go someplace else that by default then leaves you with the people who are ready to thrive in the environment yeah. that you're creating. But so much of it is just teaching yourself these these things over and over again. I mean, you know, you listen to a podcast, you get a glimmer of an idea. Um, the, the the two books I used to to learn the ownership thinking were uh, well, Jack Stack has written a number of books, um, and his he, he was one of the first people to ever really talk about this that I know of. Um, and his book was called The Great Game of Business, and so I talk about it as being a game all the time. Um, I have, we're painters, I have a lot of um, young males in the business, not all, but a lot of young males, and I constantly try to make analogies with sports because they mm-hmm. they get that. They understand sports and um, they understand that mediocrity in sports is not something anybody wants. Everybody wants <laughs> right. superior performance. Um, then the other book that I got, um, a lot of the actual how to do it was also from um, a book called uh, Ownership Thinking. It was from uh, Brad Hams. Um, okay. How to End Entitlement and Create a Culture of Accountability, Purpose, and Profit. Um, hmm. I, I, would, I, I pulled the book out this, this morning in preparation for this call, and I, it's all highlighted and dog-eared, and it has <laughs> stickers coming out of it with pages. And I, I just realized, but when I built my pay-for-performance program about 10 years ago, like literally, I I followed exactly the rules in some of his uh, laid out about how to make uh, compensation relevant. Um, so, and I think it is really important for employers to get the compensation right. Um, yes. And mm-hmm. Because if it's it it generally can be more of a demotivator than a motivator. So it can definitely motivate people, but if it's not right, it can be a major demotivator. Um, 
So mm-hmm. we have to get this. We have to get these bonus programs right. We spend a lot of time every year. We reevaluate the bonus program. We actually publish a document that uh, every every year that is the 2019 pay for performance program um, because it's literally the rules of the game. And this just lest anybody forgets, you know, like what right, was said right. and things like that. Um, so that type of structure has really helped to get better and better at it. Um, but incidentally, pay for performance systems in general require openness. You're just, mm-hmm. you're sharing everything. Mm-hmm. You're sharing the, the numbers, the good and the bad and the ugly. So. Well, I think, you know, you've really done a great job for our listeners as well who many out there do want to start to do something different. And you've shared really a lot of not only the mindset of what you bring to it, but a lot of great tips and information. And what keeps striking me is uh, that you very much are a student of, of all of these things. And I think that sometimes that gets lost in the fray. When we talk about the things that we want, people don't always put the building blocks of how do I get there and taking some time to really, you know, dive into the topic, figure out what it means in your organization with you as an individual, because not everyone um, that, you know, is listening to this podcast is a a business owner, right? So they may have to champion these things and build the business case. But I think that, um, you know, what you're highlighting for us is that it's good, you know, go ahead, follow your curiosity, right? That intellectual curiosity and see where that takes you and and how could this be something that you could bring into your own organization. And I, I, my goodness, Laura, I don't, I don't even know what the show notes are going to look like because there's so many well, good I things. Have a lot of, I know there's so many. I got the book titles. Yep. I got the book titles down. So we'll link to both of those. And, you know, Kevin, I would say like my final question and, and I have a, a sort of hint as to, or an idea as to what your answer might be, but you know, if you had another business leader or, you know, even a leader in a, a company, maybe not even a business owner, but if somebody wanted to adopt a similar philosophy of openness, what would your advice be to them? So, yeah, getting back to what you, you just said, Kelly, is you have to be learned. Um, yeah, talk yeah. to me. Talk to other successful <laughs> people who have done it. Right. Talk yeah. to consultants like The Positive Business. Um, mm-hmm. Read you. books. Go to seminars. I mean, be that student. Um, I would get get comfortable by getting educated, by getting more information. Um, that's how you solve problems, right? Yeah. The answer does not just appear. We, we talked earlier about mm-hmm. uh, offline about how when, this, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And that's really what it comes down to. Uh, most answers to most problems, if you, if you, if you really research it and, and reach out to your infinite network of opportunities, a lot of these answers really do come to play. So mm-hmm. I'd say cultivate it. Cultivate it and then see what happens. I love, love it. it. Be a student and cultivate it. You heard it here yeah. first. <laughs> yeah. Kevin, what are you and the team at Nolan Painting, what are you guys excited about what's going on in your lives this fall? What should we be on the lookout for? Well, we um, we have a big community-based uh, uh, marketing program. I mean, I guess that's what we call it. It's community outreach. Mm-hmm. Um, you might call it philanthropy, but we don't, we don't, um, we're not, we're not rich, so we don't give away money. We, we try to invest in the community and community causes. And our big cause this this winter um, on December 14th is the Reindeer Romp 5K. Uh, it's a 5K race in Havertown, Pennsylvania. 
There's also a pizza pub crawl right afterwards. And um, we've raised, uh, at this point, uh, close to $500,000 over the last 20 years um, through the American Cancer Society. And it's a really fun event, and we're having our, our, our meeting tomorrow night uh, to start the, the, the process and planning. And uh, look it up at reindeerromp.org. And, of course, you could go to nolanpainting.com, navigate over to Nolan Neighborhood, and you'd see all the events that we're constantly involved in, uh, concert festivals this weekend and more 5K races and um, all, kinds of, um, all kinds of community events that we like to be a part of. Awesome. Yeah, we Love will it. definitely have Nolan in the neighborhood in our show notes and um, Reindeer Romp as well. How fun. Thanks. Thank you so much for being with us, Kevin, today. It's been a great conversation. Uh, as you can we see, expected, I, I it absolutely loved it. You can see I loved it. It's a topic I love talking about. And um, right. I'd be happy to take anybody to reach out anytime and entertain them if they ever were interested. Um, if my Perfect. contact information is included. I'd be happy to share. Always willing to tell the absolutely. stories. Absolutely. Uh, the good, awesome. the bad, and the ugly, but mostly good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so there you go, Kevin, listeners. You, you can so reach much. out to Kevin. Right. Thanks. Reach out to Kevin. Absolutely. Thank you again, Kevin. Have a great day, everyone. You too. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Doing Good Business, designed to bring out the best in you and your company. We welcome your reviews and ratings and would love to hear from you. Send your comments, suggestions, and questions through our online form at doinggoodbusiness.com. Stay in touch with us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. The Doing Good Business Podcast is brought to you by Laura Heacock of Laura Heacock Consulting for all of your coaching and talent acquisition needs, and Kelly Stewart of The Positive Business, helping you incorporate the social business paradigm into your company. Learn more about us and our respective services at the Doing Good Business website. Thanks again for listening and remember to expect good things from everything you do.